Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This message was recorded at the NCMI Gauteng Equip, hosted at Venture Church. We hope it will be a blessing to you. Good evening, everyone. It's wonderful. Thank you so much for the invite and the opportunity to be here. It's honestly a privilege. And uh, I found myself being very nervous and saying, geez, what's going on? I still get nervous even when I preach at home, but uh, I've asked a number of people just to pray in the background. So, uh, so pray loudly. If you're praying in tongues, I want to hear you. But uh, yeah, these are great days, aren't they? I'm saying that by faith, but they really are. These are great days. These are huge days. These are days of, of opportunity. These are days that are out of the ordinary. Who wants a normal life anyway? <laughs> Maybe sometimes we're wishing for normal. There's a new normal. But there's, these are days of incredible opportunity, honestly. I loved what Lysander was saying. If we open our, uh, the eyes of our hearts, and if God is opening our eyes, that's why we've got to pray for a spirit of revelation that we may see. If God is opening our eyes to see what's going on, He's behind every single thing that is taking place everywhere. He's on the throne, and He's working everything towards His own goal and towards His own purposes, and He's going to do it well. Not one of us will say, gee, Jesus, we wish you could have done that in 2020. We're going to say, wow, my God, if only we'd seen, if only we'd known the amazing things that you were all about and what you were doing. So let's say, God, thank you now. You're about to reveal to us the things that you're doing, and we ask you for more. We want to see more. I mean, the, the tyrant says it often. The world at its worst needs the church at its best. I don't know. The world could probably get worse than it is right now. <laughs> it probably could. Maybe like, ah, oh, that's not so bad. I mean, it, gen- it can get worse. But we can shine brighter. And this is a call to us. If there's any opportunity that we have to shine brightly for the name of Jesus, nobody else has got what we've got. No one else has got what the church has got. We've got the light and darkness needs it. And we need to go in and bring it as far as we can. And so we have an incredible opportunity. They are re- these are remarkable days. This is, as the scripture says, 1 Corinthians 69, a wide door of effective ministry is opened. Why do we need effective ministry? There's effective ministry that's required because there's broken people and there's broken hearts and there's broken lives. And we've got the answer. We've got the antidote. How many of you know that there's a virus that is affecting the world? It's called sin and everybody's got it. But there's a vaccination and it's called the gospel. And we need to not be vaccine hesitant. We need to make sure that actually if the gospel was a virus, then you need to actually be a little bit more contagious. Hello? Let's get it out there. We've got the answer. While everybody's trying to find a vaccine, we've got Jesus Christ. And let's get it out as much, as quick as we can. So great days, incredible days. But the rest of that scripture, I mean, it's not been advertised that way. A wide door of effective ministry is open for me, yet many oppose me. How many of you know, in days as great as this, where there could be harvest and outpourings of the Holy Spirit, there's also great opposition. There's also great struggle. Let's, let's be real. Let's be honest. I mean, we don't have to faith statement everything. You know, some people are like, no, no, you can't even pray the things that are actually going on because then you're going to make them happen. No, really. I mean, you can go to Jesus and say, I'm having a bad day. And Jesus is not going to say, well, you just prophesied a bad day. You say, Jesus, I'm having a bad day. Jesus says, don't worry, I'm here to make it better. You know, and he doesn't just make it better because you say it's better. He, he makes it better because it's actually going quite tough for you. And if you've had struggles, you can be honest. And if you're not getting through the day, you can be honest. And if your budget is not making it, you can be honest. And you can be real. And you can talk to Jesus about those kind of things. But there's, the struggle is real. But G, uh, Paul doesn't stop with the opposition. 
The opposition means there is a wide door for great things to take place. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Can I get an amen? God said, go and make disciples and I will be with you to the end of the earth. Jesus said, I will give you a gift that my Father has promised and you will be my witnesses by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it amazing? Jesus prophesied and this gospel will be preached in all nations and then the end will come. Hello. The end is coming, but it's coming as quick as we take the gospel to the nations. So it's up to us. So let's step out. Let's go forth. That doesn't mean we mustn't go first, second, and third. <laughs> Let others. <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. But let's keep going. Sorry, it's a dad joke. Yeah, I've got four kids. They're all under nine. I mean, what can I do? Every time, every, in every place, in every era, in every season, in every plague, in every age, in every nation, in every street corner, Jesus must be preached until he returns. And we can't stop until the end. And so this is an equipping time. And so while we need a theology, while we need a Christology, while we need a pneumatology, while we need an ecclesiology, and while we need a missiology, and an eschatology, you and I are going to focus on a little bit more biology tonight. Or let's just say psychology. Or let's get right down to cardiology. Because while we've got all the weapons and the tools and the things, you've been equipped with the gospel a hundred thousand times. Hello? You've been equipped with the Holy Spirit many times. You've been equipped with the visions and the values and the this is how we do it and this is what we're going to do. You've been equipped with those things over and over and over again. But there's one thing that every one of us have been equipped with that we've got a God and that's our hearts. Our hearts. Because while there's an open door, no open door can, can be... We can't go through an open door if you've got a closed heart. Amen. And so I'm trusting that tonight that God would open your hearts. Because if he opens your heart, then the open doors are going to be huge. They're going to be wonderful. They're amazing. You can see an open door and your heart can be closed and it means nothing. Hello? You can see a closed door and your heart is open and God will make, do something so that, that door is opened. But it starts here. Every single one of us have to deal with our own hearts in this thing. Your heart. Oh, my word. You've got to guard that thing. Proverbs 2, uh, Proverbs 4, 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Proverbs 4, verse 23 in the New King James Version says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of its spring the issues of life. The heart, the cardia in Greek, is the location of your thoughts, of your mind, of your volition, of your emotions, of your knowledge, of, your, of what's right and wrong, of your conscience, of those, those little movie reels that play over and over that only you watch. Of those little arguments you have before you meet someone and then when you get to them, you say, ah, hello, how are you? And you've already dialogued it out. Just in case they say that one thing and then you've already got your whole script planned. <laughs> but the stuff that goes on in our hearts, folk, that's where we've got to pay attention. And let's ask God to do incredible things in our hearts. John 14, Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. In verse 1 and in verse 27, peace I leave you with. I do not give you peace the way the world gives it. So don't go to the world for peace. Don't look for peace in the world. You're going to waste your time. Go to the maker of the world. And he says, I give you peace. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Because there is an enemy and he is after your heart. But there is a God, and he's after your heart. And like David, it says in Acts 13, 22, I found David to be a man after my own heart. How is your heart tonight? And may God 
do something deep inside your hearts. And so what I want to do is we're going to look at John chapter 21. And in John chapter 21, from verse 1 to 17, there's four hearts that I want to look at. The four hearts we're going to focus on tonight is the distracted heart. You mentioned it as well, Lysander. You, you were give, like so many points of confirmations. The distracted heart. We've been distracted by many things. We're going to deal with that. A presumptuous heart. We've got to get back to the heart that is responding in faith to what Jesus is saying to us, not just what we think. There's too many opinions. There's the independent heart. We've got to break that thing. And we have to hear this in these days because so many people have become independent, especially during corona. I have to protect myself. I have to preserve myself. I don't know what's right or wrong anymore. I don't know whether I can trust my pastor, trust my president, trust the, the medical society, trust this. I, I have to make my own decisions. And we become independent and we try and handle things all on our own. We've got to break that thing. And then there's the restored heart. And God wants to restore hearts in this place today. And I am praying, even now, Holy Spirit, only you can work on our hearts. Would you come, great surgeon of our hearts, and would you remove the things that are not good for these hearts? We have to guard them from things that sneak in so quickly and so easily. And we pray, I pray that tonight you would heal hearts, but you would give us the shield again, and you give us the breastplates over our chests so that the enemy can't shoot the flaming arrows at our hearts. And we pray, Lord God, tonight surgery will be done, hearts will be restored, hearts will open wide, and we'll be able to go through the doors that you call us to no matter what, in Jesus' name. Amen. So in John chapter 21, you can imagine here's the last chapter of the book of John, and then it moves over to Acts. Now, it, it isn't chronological the way the Bible has put the, the books together, um, but it's interesting that Jesus hasn't ever said, hang on, change it around. And when you're reading about this last chapter before you get into the book of Acts, John chapter 21, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts, when you're reading John 21, it's almost this anticlimax. Because in John 20, you've had all these wonderful things happen. Jesus, the resurrected one, incredible. I'm going to touch on some of these things as you go. And then you've got John 21, and it almost seems like there's this sad story. And then finally we get into Acts chapter 1, the 40 days of Jesus revealing himself, and they're talking about the kingdom, and then the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost. Isn't that awesome? And we want that. How many of us want to see revival in these days? And we've had some kinds of revivals in the past. We've had the moments, yes, Jesus, you're alive. Yes, Jesus, is true. Yes, your gospel is right. Your cross has taken away my sin and I'm alive because of it. And then you kind of have this anticlimax. 2020, 2021. What is this? John 21, 2021. What happened? Don't worry, there's an Acts 1. <laughs> We're moving closer. God wants to first do some things in the heart. He's got to deal with some stuff in there, four little aspects of the chambers of our hearts. He's got to do those things, and then He can pour His Spirit into a wineskin that's good so that the wine can get poured out on the nations. And so there's heart surgery here tonight. That's why you all got masks on, because we don't want to breathe on the open chest, because we don't want germs in there. It's not good, you know? Right, so John chapter 21, verse 1 to 3, it says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is also the Sea of, um, uh, what is it, Galilee, same sea. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and the two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. We're going with you, they told him. And they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nada, nothing, zero. They literally just went on a boat trip and they caught up with each other. 
and they caught the wind, and they caught maybe a cold, but they didn't catch fish. You see, a distracted heart, you know, it's an incredible loss to realize that if you do backtrack to John chapter 20, Jesus has already appeared to the disciples in the locked room, okay? I mean, honestly, guys, if we lock the doors here and Jesus appeared in this room, that's enough. Is it enough for you? I mean, that should be enough for you to be totally convinced that Jesus is alive. It was enough for Paul. One moment of the glory of Jesus knocking him off his horse on the way to Damascus, demask us, Jesus. Anyway, stupid jokes. Just one, one encounter, and this is often what we long for. We say, God, just one encounter. We know it'll change their lives. If we can just have the risen Lord break the roof open, come down, touch his feet over here. It's not the Mount of Olives, but it's close. But Lord, just come and touch, and everyone will be changed. Maybe not. Because the, the disciples didn't seem to do anything for them. Because then it says, he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. I believe at that point they even are born again. They see the resurrected Lord. He breathes the Holy Spirit on them. He said, the same way I have sent, I'm now sending you. So there's a whole lot of good stuff going on in the room. Eight days later, he reveals himself a second time. And this time, Thomas says, I will not believe it unless I stick my finger in the nail marks and my hand in his side. And then Jesus is like, <clears throat> Thomas, come over here, my buddy. Put your hand Put your finger in the mark. Put your hand in the side. I mean, the, the revelations. He's on his knees saying, my God, my Lord. And then they're going fishing. Isn't it amazing, eh? You would think, that's it. Lord, whatever you want us to do. But they're gone fishing. It's not just an angling holiday. I think it was this place of hope deferred. I mean, Peter is so, there's such a delay, you know, Proverbs 13, uh, 12 says, hope delayed makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. God wants to bring the desire and fulfill it again, but he's first got to deal with the heart that's sick. It's an incredible thing. And you know, the devil does this, you know, we talk about the, the parable of the sower and he sows the seed and then there's different seed falls on different grounds, you know? What are the four different grounds? One is, is um, on the path and one's in the rocky place. But then there's this, the soil and the seed that falls on the soil where the weeds are on it. And the weeds grow up with the wheat. The wheat. And in Mark chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, it says, um, The other seed among the, uh, is sown among the thorns. And these are the ones who hear the word. I mean, they're hearing, they're seeing, yes, Jesus. But the worries of this age... The deceitfulness of wealth and the fishing business and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Fuck, what are we letting into our hearts in this time? If you allow the worries of the world, if you allow the deceitfulness of money, if you allow the desire for other things to creep into your heart, it can choke the very, the presence of Jesus in the room, it can choke that thing out of your life. And you think, I've just got to go and do what I used to do. In fact, the thing that Jesus called me out of, I want to go back to that. Isn't that scary? And the, this, the devil's at work. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says, In the case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, even believers who are not believing, 
to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. My God, I pray that we would not have distracted hearts. A distracted heart can't see the glory of Jesus. He can be standing in front of you and you're looking just a little few degrees to the left and you can't see him or a little bit to the right and you can't see actually what he's revealing to you. Who is this that is standing in front of you? I mean, if he could ask you that question, who am I that is standing in front of you right now? Am I weak? Am I small? Am I glorious? Can I handle anything? Is my name greater than all names? I mean, if Jesus had to stand in front of you and ask you, who am I? Who do you think I am? The glorious Son of God who's conquered death and sin and Satan and sickness forever. He's alive and well. And he's using this time to make every enemy a footstool for his feet. Who is he? Who is he to you? And my God, let our hearts not get distracted from him. Hello? I mean, how easy is it? Wow, Jesus, worship you, glorious. Hello? Oh, jeez, check what happened at home, babe. Check what just went off the account or whatever. And straight away, our hearts are consumed. Don't take your hand off the plow. The scary thing is this. The influence on your life can influence other people, so please don't be distracted. Because, you know, look at this. There's Peter. He says, I'm going fishing. To hell with this. Right? Peter's going fishing. Thomas goes with him. Nathanael, now I can't never say the guy's name right, and I was practicing, I'm going to say it right. Nathaniel, Nathaniel, Nathaniel. Nathanael, damn. <laughs> Peter, Thomas, Nathan, Zebedee's son, so that's, that's John and James, that's five. Two other disciples, potentially Philip and Andrew, so that's six and seven. Seven of the 11 follow Peter when he says, I'm going fishing. You would think these guys have their own revelation of Jesus and they follow the one who's influencing them. You influence people, whether you're distracted or whether you're pursuing Christ, you influence people. You're influencing your wife, you're influencing your husband, you're influencing your children, you're influencing people around you. When you go after Jesus, they follow you. When you go another direction, people will follow you. So please, please don't take your hand off the plow. I mean, where were the other disciples? Matthew probably went back to tax collecting. His brother James was also son of Alphaeus and Levi, son of Alphaeus, probably also went back to tax collecting. Simon the Zealot probably went and got a pea shooter and was shooting at the tax collectors because he hated them. There was the other James and there was the other Judas and they're not really fishermen. But I think they're all scattered. And Peter had a hand in it. My God. Jesus is not going to allow the three and a half years that he's pumped into these disciples' hearts, he will not allow that thing to just go by by nothing. What God has put inside of you, he's more committed to than you are. When he's put his spirit in you, when he puts his blood on you, when he puts his call on your life, when he puts those things in your life, he's way more committed to it than you are. Because he knows there's thousands of followers, thousands of others that are gonna be influenced by you responding to his glory and his name. So do not be distracted. He is counting on you, but he's counting on himself and his work inside of your life. He will not slow down. He will not stop. Remember in Luke 22, he said, the Simon, Simon, look out. Satan's asked to sift you like wheat, but I am praying for you that your faith may not fail and you, when you've turned back, will strengthen your brothers. 
the same brothers. He already prophesied it. He says, I know this, you're gonna turn. And I know all the disciples are gonna follow you. But when you turn back, you're gonna strengthen your brothers. Because why? Because I'm interceding for you. I'm praying for you. I know what Satan does and I've pushed him out. I know what it counts for me to have died for you, for me to put my life into you, for me to pour out my spirit and breathe it into you. I'm not letting that go. I'm not wasting my time. I'm not wasting the things that I've pumped into your life. I'm not wasting the scriptures that I've written down in your life. I'm not wasting the things that I've written on your heart. Every prophetic word that I've spoken over you, I'm making sure that it's fulfilled. I'm way more faithful than you. You wanna know something? There's a passionate God on the throne. There's a passionate Saviour and His name is Jesus. And He's got your name written on the palms of His hand. And He looks at it every day and He says, not on my watch, Satan. Hello. Do you know that He's pursuing you, that He's passionate about you? When you look at the fire in His eyes, you know that they're burning for you. And they're burning not just through you, but to every single nation that is waiting. He's longing for them. God, let the fire of God catch a grip of you. It's gripped me somewhat. (laughs) He's interceding for you. He's way more committed. While you're fishing, He's got a plan. He's making a braai on the beach because he's setting something up. Look what's going to happen next. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a, there's an interesting song I wanted to play for you. You know, Peter just decides, I'm going back to business. Let's play that. <laughs> I want you just to dance a little bit while we... Do you know this one? Let's get down, let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to get this We've had a million, million nights just like this So let's get down, let's get down to business So Peter wants to go to business, but Jesus says Mama, please don't worry about me I'm about to let my heart speak My friends keep telling me to leave this so let's get down, let's get down to business. Who's ready to dance? Come on, just stand up let's and dance down, a bit. Let's get down to business. We're doing this for you, Jesus. Use us for your kingdom and for your name. We've had a million, million nights just like this. So let's get down, let's get down to business. Do it in our hot clothes. Let's get down, let's get down to business. We're having a race tonight. One more night, one more night, Captain. We've had a million, million nights just like this. Let's get down, let's get down. (laughs) Thank you, that's amazing. We gotta kill it because that is not a Christian song, and I was just trying to get it out before the swear word came up. (laughs) But sure. We wanna let's get down to business. Honestly, it's not let's get down to the business of the things that we used to do. But let's get into the business of what God's busy doing. He doesn't want us to just go do what we did. All those disciples followed him because he was about himself in that moment. And Jesus is saying, no, be about me. Be about me. There's a much bigger business. So, John 21, 4 to 7. When daybreak came, Jesus stood at the shore, but the disciples did not see it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called to them. Actually, in one of the versions, the correct word over there is um, the word that we get pediatric, pedia, is children. Children, Jesus calls to them. Imagine him standing on the shore. I mean, just check check the glory. The sun's coming up. Jesus, the risen Lord, standing on the shore. Just picture the scene. And then he says, 
hey, kids, <laughs> have you got any fish? <laughs> and there's just one answer, no. <laughs> Friends, do you have any fish? No. Not no, no, Jesus, no, Lord, no, just no. Cast the nets on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him because he had taken it off, so now he puts it on, and he plunges into the sea. It's weird. <laughs> so... The risen Lord, I mean, honestly, the picture of the figure of the risen Lord standing on the shore as the sun is rising at daybreak is glorious. Can you see it? It's a new day. Jesus is alive. The shore is waiting for you. The sun is rising. There's a new day. He knows you've been through the darkness of night. He knows you've been toiling all night. He knows you've continued and you haven't got any fish. He says, there's a new day dawning. The light is coming. I am alive and I'm waiting for you. There's three things that Jesus wants to remind his people of right here in this section. Be reminded that you are his children. The devil wants you to be independent. God wants you to be dependent. The devil wants you to say, you don't need God. You can fix yourself and you can fix your own sin and you can sort your own life out and you can be the master and destiny of your, your master of your own destiny. Jesus says, trust in me and I'll bring you your destiny. Trust in me and I'll wash away your sin. Trust in me and I'll take you to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The enemy will always try to get you to fall for the fruits and how nice it looks and you can become like God and wow, look at this, this is amazing. And he takes your eyes off the whole garden that is all around you that you've been walking in the cool of the day with the Lord of heaven himself. He takes all of that, takes your eyes off it and puts, you, puts it onto a little thing to make you self-dependent. Man, can you become like children again? the greatest in the kingdom, like children, just believing, just depending upon him. Be reminded that you are called by Jesus. Can you imagine, you know what Jesus is doing here? You know, in, in Luke chapter five, there's an occasion when the disciples are called and it's exactly the same scene in exactly the same lake. And they're pushing out on a boat and Jesus says, let's go out a little bit further and he says to them, throw the nets out and let's catch some fish. And the disciples say to Jesus, we've been fishing all night, Jesus. There is no fish, but at your word, we will do it. Because you say so, because you've spoken, I'll do it. Now, can you imagine Peter remembering that? Oh, there's a word I have to depend on. There's a word that is to be spoken. There's something that has to be said for me to rely on it. And when he throws that net out, it says the same thing. There was too many fish that the other boats had to try and help them out. They were sinking, there was so much. So Peter in that moment cries out and he says, forgive me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Get away from me, I'm a sinful man. This is what Peter says. I mean, Peter's a little bit act first, think later. <laughs> and he's like, get away. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. I'm not coming to judge you. I'm not coming to show my power and my glory to make you squirm. I'm coming to show you my power and my glory because I'm going to use you to become a fisher of men. I'm setting you up as the bait so that other people can come. And what is the bait? The bait is the one that's had the hook pushed through them. They themselves have felt the pain, but God has looked after them. They themselves have felt, found the, the place where God has restored and healed and 
and taken away the hurts and taken away the sinfulness, that place of repentance and that place of joy from repentance, that's the bait. Can you remember what it was like to get saved? Can you remember what it was like when Jesus gave you that confidence that he loves you, that he's taken away your sin, that he's forgiven you of everything? Maybe you need to hear that tonight. You are forgiven by what Jesus Christ has done for you. But he's reminding Peter of that moment where he said, Lord, it's all for you. Because when those, those boats got on the shore in Luke chapter 5, they all left everything and they followed Jesus. <laughs> Isn't Jesus clever? He's creating the scene once again so that the people remember how he called them. And so be reminded of what you've been called to. And then be reminded it's a supernatural word that God is speaking I've wondered, why did Peter put his garment on and then jump out into the water? Can I tell you what I think? You won't find it in the Scriptures. Peter's now going, ah, oh, I see what you're doing, Jesus. You're reminding us of the time when we gave our hearts to you. You're reminding us of the time when you called us to become fishers of men. Gee, I'm also reminded of that other time on the boat where I stepped out at your word and walked on water. And so now Peter's like, ah, oh, I get it. And John is saying, it's the Lord. Because remember, when Jesus was walking on the water, they were like, it's a ghost. And someone said, no, it's the Lord. And the Lord said, it's me, come to me on the water. I believe Peter thought, well, if this is it, well, then I'm going to test it and I'm going to prove it. Here we go. Put my garments on. Guess what? Baptized in the Sea of Tiberias in a very embarrassing but very needed baptism. And this is presumption. And I'm not saying that that's... That, is my reading on it. It might be that he was so passionate that he didn't know what to do or think or say and he put his jacket on and he jumped in the water. It is odd. But we do odd things when we come into the presence of Jesus. But the reality is, run after him. But I would rather be someone who tries and gets wet than be the wet cadet who sits in the boat and is so scared to do anything for the name of Jesus and for his glory. And so I want to ask you to remember that there is supernatural power available to all of us. And if he's done it in the past, he can do it again. And why not stretch your hand out and pray for a sick person for them to be healed? Because if Jesus did it, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. He wants to do it again. And maybe you're going to get wet. And maybe you didn't quite understand the word of the Lord. And maybe you heard someone say it, but it wasn't quite the Holy Spirit. Honestly, folk, rather get wet failing than get wet by staying in the boat. Hello, at least get out the boat. Trust the Lord because if He comes through for you, you're gonna see God. You're gonna glorify God again and again and again. He wants us, folks. A door of opportunity is open. There are still sick people. This, this whole thing of corona and how, how long people stay sick, it's, just requir it's required of us to go out. It is the Lord. Step out. Let's do it. Let's see miracles again. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. The last uh, heart I want to look at, and then we're going to look at a restored heart. We're going to trust God. And we're going to minister to one another. Is that cool? An independent heart. So Peter jumps out on his own. In verse 8, since they were not far from land, about 100 yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging in the net full of fish. I mean, Peter's still drying himself there, and they're doing all the work. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there and the fish lying on it and bread. So Jesus has got fish that came from where, who knows? And he's baked it. Probably there's a little boy with some lunch somewhere. And then he says, 
And then he says, bring, bring some of your fish that you just caught, Jesus told him. So Simon Peter climbed up, hauled the net ashore, large, full of large fish. I mean, he, now Peter gets in on the action, 153. And even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. I mean, this is the most amazing, most, you'd think the most holiest red, the red letter words of Jesus. What, what are those words? And here it is, come have breakfast. Something that sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is actually just have a meal with someone. Just actually open your home. Actually get rid of the whole social distancing thing for a little bit, sanitize whatever you like, spray that stuff, stick in through the aircon, whatever. But just have, put your masks on and have a meal with somebody again. Do you know how many people, do you know how many old age people, do you know how many folk have been longing for someone just to visit them? But come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of his disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. <coughs> and Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them. I mean, can you imagine as he's breaking the bread, what's going through their minds? Remember the 5,000. Remember the 4,000. Remember when he said that his body would be broken and he's breaking that bread and he's giving it to us. Remember on that night when he was in the room and he said Judas would betray, but he said to us, I'm not going to eat or drink of this cup again until I be with you and with you in my Father's kingdom. Imagine all the thoughts that are going through their minds. And he did the same with the fish. And this was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Folk, there's fish for selfishness, but there's fish for fellowship. Please get rid of an independent heart and get back to the place where you are breaking bread with your brothers again. It's the place of absolute power. There's unity. There's place where God wants to do incredible things. He wants to restore people in the place of fellowship. I'm talking to the converted because you're all here, but you know these chairs are empty from guys that are needing that fellowship and are needing to come back. Do all that you can to go fetch them. Don't be a, it's me and Jesus, and that's it, kind of person. Philippians 1.21, Paul says this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live in the flesh, that means fruitful work for me. But I, know, I don't know which one I should choose. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ. But which is far better? But to remain and to, in the flesh, to remain in the fellowship, to remain in the boat is more necessary for your sake. Since I'm persuaded of this, I know that if I remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Be the reason other people boast about Jesus Christ. People need Jesus with flesh on. It's you and I. And then there's this wonderful restoration passage, and we're going to pray for people. Is that cool? When they were eating breakfast, had eaten breakfast, I mean, Jesus is a master chess player. He's about to check his mate because he's gone through the stomach, not to the heart. <laughs> After they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Because remember, Peter said this. He says, even if they all leave you, I never will. Now he's asking him, do you still love me like all of these? Imagine what was going through Peter's heart, the disappointment. He's hearing, he's hearing in his own heart, cock-a-doodle-doo. That's all he hears. Because Jesus said, when that crow crows twice, you would have denied me three times. So he's hearing cock-a-doodle-doo because it's early in the morning. And yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, feed my lambs. Have a heart and a passion for the lost again. Second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Then shepherd my sheep. Have a heart for community again. 
And then he asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, but this time he asked him, Agape, Agape, do you, do you love me with everything, with covenant, committed love? And Peter's grieved now. He's cut, his heart is open. He's cut to the heart and he asks him, how come you ask me a third time? Do you love me? He says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. You see, Peter denied him three times. Jesus gave Peter the opportunity to be restored three times. And it's an incredible thing for him in that place of love to restore his heart and to give him new desires for his own people. Let's stand together, please. Is there someone who can play um, something lightly? You've got those holy moments kind of playing. It like really manipulates people. I'm joking. We don't want that. Don't do that one. <laughs> but there is something about just um, allowing our hearts to be attentive to what the Lord wants to do right now. And let's, let's trust him. I know people have been praying for this time. I don't want to waste any more time. But God wants to do incredible work inside your heart. And as the, as the word has gone out and your hearts have been maybe some things have been pricked in your own heart. You know what? God wants to take you through the open doors. He wants to take you through the Acts 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, all the wonderful things that He wants to lead you into. He wants to bring you into church planting. He wants to bring you into partnering, into, into loving His sheep and becoming a pastor, becoming an apostolic, becoming a, a prophetic. He wants you to be evangelistic and go after the lambs. There's fivefold gifting that God wants to release here right now, but He's got to work on our hearts. And if our hearts are His and our hearts have His desires, He's able to use us wherever. Because remember, they're His gifts and they need His heart. It's not a gift for me. It's not I'm prophet so-and-so. No, I'm so-and-so, and if I use a prophetic gift, it's for others. And that's the heart that Jesus wants us to have. So let's allow him to begin to do something in our hearts. It's lovely. Let's get down, let's get, no, it's not that time. <laughs> I make jokes at inappropriate moments. So Holy Spirit, right now, we just ask you, would you come? And you want to do a serious work inside every single person right here, right now. I pray where anybody's heart has been distracted and you've been so focused on something that you're trying to get Jesus to look at it. You've been, your heart has been, your heart has got sick because of the promises that have taken so long. It feels like a Golgotha all over again. It feels like the cross. It feels like everything you desired has been nailed to a tree. You're disappointed. You feel choked by the cares and the worries of the world. You're wondering where we're going to eat next. What's going to happen? Don't be distracted. Don't let your heart be troubled. Right here, right now, I pray for healing in your heart. Hear the word of Jesus say to you, do not be troubled. I love you and I'm with you. If that's you, why don't you just come out just by way of, and, and don't be embarrassed by anything. We all get wet when we jump in the water. <laughs> Come out and if you sent that's that's me. I just need a restoration of focus again, of Jesus again. I need my eyes fixed on him again. I mean, this is a time where businesses have been have been buffeted, where businesses have come under the, the just the harsh times. God wants to restore businesses, and he's not saying go and do business without me, because in a morning God can bring you all your profit that others are working all month for and, and getting nothing. If you're saying my business needs your help, Jesus, just admit it, come surrender. 
get in the boat with him. Let him get in your boat. Well, you get in his boat and watch. It's like a speedboat. You're hungry for the Spirit. Maybe you're desperate for the signs and the wonders and the, and the miracles of God. And you're saying, God, when? Oh, God, when, oh, Lord? You're longing for a healing. You're longing to see healing. You've been crying out for someone. You're saying, give me the gift, Lord, so at least I can pray for my father, for my mother, for my daughter, for my child, for the diagnosis. Oh, God, I'll do anything. I'll put my garments on and I'm ready. Jump in the water. If that's you saying, I need to see more of the supernatural. Won't you come out? If there's been some unforgiveness in your heart, maybe you can't forgive yourself. You can't forgive yourself that you denied Jesus three times. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Maybe you're saying, I, I, can't for, I can't forgive Jesus for what He did. I can't forgive my mother, my brother, my sister, my father. I can't forgive that person who hurt me. I can't forgive them. I can't forgive that school. I can't forgive that principal. I can't forgive them. Today, Jesus wants to set you free. He says, yes, there is a pain but I took the pain and I died in their place. I died in your place. I died to set others free and I died to set you free. I died to forgive them and I died to forgive you. I'm alive and I'm well. My forgiveness is real. And maybe you're sensing in your heart a call to feed the flock of God. Maybe you're sensing a call in your heart to prepare the bride of Christ. Maybe you're sensing in your heart a call to, to pastoral, to apostolic ministry, to church planting. You're saying, God, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know when, but God, I sense this thing. You're calling me to the other ends of the earth. If that's you, come out. Maybe that's all of us. There's one thing these hearts need is your spirit to breathe upon us. And even as this breeze, this wind blows through this place, Lord God, let it be at your spirit that just breathes upon these hearts. I declare healing in your hearts. I say hearts, be made whole. Hearts, be well in the name of Jesus. Hearts, be free of trouble. Holy Spirit, won't you come and minister? Won't you touch? Won't you heal? There are people in the church that have been praying and praying for you now. Won't those who are wanting to minister, won't you just come out and, and just, just see if you can lay hands or stand near them and just ask them if what, it, what it is they need prayer for. And let's begin to allow the Holy Spirit. And as you stretch out your hand, let Jesus stretch out His hand and do what He is wanting to do today. There's an open door before you. Let your hearts be open, your hearts be full. Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information about NCMI, please go to ncmi.net. You can also find out more information about Venture Church by going to venturechurch.co.za.